Today on Bold Steps Weekend with Mark Joe, we're learning how our disappointments can be turned into gifts when we lay down our expectations and let God work in our lives. That expectation that had derailed him, that very thing that he thought was his curse became the blessing that allowed him to come to God and be humbled and turned around because God did it a different way. His unmet expectations became a gift to his life. Welcome to Bold Steps Weekend with Mark Job. Mark is the senior pastor of New Life Community Church in Chicago and also president of Moody Bible Institute. Today's message comes from a president's chapel at Moody when Mark spoke. And if you'd like to develop your biblical knowledge and preaching skills while earning a degree, look no further than Moody Bible Institute. You can take classes when and how it's most convenient for you. There are flexible options online and on campus. To learn more, visit our homepage and click on the Moody Bible Institute link at boldstepsweekend.org. And then if you missed last week's message from our series on expectations, you can listen to it again while you're online. Again, that's boldstepsweekend.org. Right now, let's dive in today with Mark Job and a message he's titled, Expectations. A letter that he took to the king of Israel read, with this letter I'm sending my servant to name him to you so that you may cure him of leprosy. So he goes now with a new set of expectation. His life has been disrupted. And now he goes with a new set of expectation that if I bring my influence and power and wealth and go to the king of Israel, then the king of Israel will introduce me to Elisha and maybe I will be healed. The second thing I want you to note, by the way, is this, is that unmet expectations can give way to anger or disappointment that can drive us from our spiritual breakthrough. It tells us in verse 9 that Naaman, Elisha basically says, yeah, let him come to me. I'll see him. The king of Israel was frightened because he thought, hey, this is just a tactic to get involved in a war. Elisha said, no, bring, bring Naaman to me. So Naaman, uh, with his horses and chariots, he stopped at the door of Elijah's house. And the Bible says in verse 10, Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan and your flesh will be restored and you will be clean, cleansed. Verse 11, but Naaman went away angry and said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call upon the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Are not Abana and Parfar, uh, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in a rage. Yeah, I want you to see this. Don't miss this. So Naaman, he's going through a difficult situation in life. And he has in his mind an expectation, listen, about how God is going to work to solve his problem. And he says it. He shows up to Elisha 
this iconic guy that was a farmer, by the way, in his day when Elijah the prophet anointed him, he left his farming equipment and became a prophet. And by the way, if you remember the story of Elisha, he asked from Elijah, his mentor, that he would get a double portion of his spirit, boldly requested a double portion of his spirit. And I haven't counted the miracles, but but people that have say that there's double the number of miracles recorded under Elisha than there was under Elijah. God answered his prayer and gave him a double portion. And so the Naaman shows up and he has in his mind that he's going to show up and Elijah's going to come out. I'm sure that Naaman showed up with all his regalia, horses, treasures, pomp and ceremony, letter from the king. And he thought that Elijah was going to come out and was going to say, oh, great Naaman, I'm so honored that you're here. Let me show me your leprosy. And that Naaman would show him and that he would wave his hand. It says it right there. Wave his hand and call upon the name of the Lord and that immediately he would be healed. And he had in his mind how God was going to work. But God did not work that way. In fact, it was all the opposite. Elisha doesn't even go out to meet him. Imagine the hit to his pride. You send your servant out? And the servant says, hey, by the way, I have a message from Elisha. I'm sure Naaman's like, hey, where's the man of God? I have a servant from Elijah. Elijah says, go down to the Jordan River, dip yourself seven times and you'll be clean. And then he walks away. Naaman is in a rage, mad, angry, walks away. Why? Because his expectation of how he thought God was going to work is not being met. In fact, he despises how God is working. He looks down at it. It didn't match his mental image. And so it it tells us he became angry in verse 11. And then at the end of verse 12, it says, so he turned and went off in a rage. He walked away from God's plan because it didn't match his expectations. I'm talking to someone here today. You know, I've seen it over and over. I've seen it in my life. I could tell you story after story where I had my expectation, where I said to God, God, I think you should do it this way. And I expected that. And God did not do it the way I envisioned in fact, I let me let me tell you a story from when I was a student at Moody. I was probably about 19 years old. Anybody 19 here? Okay, we got a couple 19 years old. I was 19 years old, and um, I had just done my first uh, practical Christian ministry PCM called, and uh, they sent me to be a Sunday school teacher at an inner city church. And I tell you what, that class was out of control. Let me tell you. I mean, these kids were, they were like, I I learned very quickly. I don't think this is my calling. 
And uh, after the kids were jumping on the tables and I realized I had very little control over this classroom. And so it wasn't my best experience teaching, uh, I think it was second graders. And so I went to the, to the PCM department and I said, you know, I, I, I think, I'm not sure, but I think that part of my gifting is teaching preaching. So I'm wondering if I could find a, a place where maybe I could preach or teach to adults, not children. And so I got a call a little bit later and they said, we, we have a place for you. I said, great. And they said, it's, it's called the Fullerton uh, Residential Facility. And you'll be leading services on Sunday morning. I thought, finally, man, I'm jumping into the Greek, parceling it down. This is going to be great. They said, it's an old folks residential facility. So, man, I was so pumped up about doing my first message. We had a little worship team that we gathered together and I was going to preach. And so, man, I, I jumped in every tool that Moody had taught me. I jumped in. I parceled the passage down. I got an outline and I, I, I got an outline that it was, it was an awesome outline. I broke it down. I jumped into the Greek. I got nuances from the passage. I checked out 12 different commentaries. I mean, I was oozing this passage. This was the best message that these people will ever hear in their life. I was ready. So I show up Sunday morning. I'm ready to go. I even had a tie on, I think. I'm like, I'm ready to preach. The worship team is there. 10 o'clock comes. No one's there. So I, I, I turned to the lady in charge of the facility. I said, um, excuse me, is this supposed to start at 10? She said, yeah. I said, where is everybody? Oh, she said, young man, you got to go get them. I said, go get them? She says, yeah, you got you to gotta go to the rooms and get them. I said, okay, oh, thank you, ma'am. And so we had to disperse the team and go from room to room, wheeling our wheelchair people into the auditorium, walking little old ladies in a walker down there, helping people gather. 20 minutes later, finally, I had my congregation. Before I even opened the Bible, about 25% of the congregation had already fallen asleep seriously falling asleep. I just remember there's a little guy in the background. He was just kind of jumping up and down like this the whole time. Not sure what he was doing, but he was jumping. Remember there's a, a couple in the back and she had put lipstick on, really bright red lipstick. And she was in love with the guy next to him. I know they were just looking at each other. And I got my message and I tried to preach. I mean, I, it was not what I expected. I mean, I had put a lot of work into this. This was a mighty message. This was an awesome message. This was a lot of truth that I learned in homiletics and hermeneutics at the Moody Bible Institute. But you know what? I walked away kind of like half people weren't listening. They were snoring, falling asleep, not engaged. For the next nine months, I went every Sunday morning to the Fullerton residential home. You know what I learned? I learned that there's little old ladies in a room that haven't been visited by anybody in two years. They didn't need a message 
where I parceled out the Greek. They needed me to love on them. I learned that ministering is not just about transferring information. It's about loving people the way Jesus wants to love them. I learned that I needed to be humbled. I learned that it wasn't about a platform. It was about servant leadership. I learned that I needed to show mercy and compassion and that people don't care really how much you know unless they know how much you care. I learned to minister and pray for people that were extremely lonely and broken and people that uh, sometimes weren't all there mentally because they had dementia. I learned some of the greatest lessons in preparing for me for ministry, but it wasn't what I expected. Listen, it's what I needed, not what I expected. The Bible says in James chapter four, verse six, but he gives more grace. What's grace? Unmerited favor. It's what you need to survive. It's God's favor poured on us, more grace. That's why scripture says God opposes the proud, but he shows favor for the, to the humble. Can I tell you, I needed, I needed that experience, but I didn't expect that experience. God was working through it. He shaped me, he broke me, he humbled me. I needed that, but it's not what I expected. It's not how I envisioned it. It's not what I wanted, but it's what I really needed. You're listening to Bold Steps Weekend with Mark Job. Today's message comes from our short two-part series called Expectations, and Mark will continue in a moment. But Mark, I just want to pause here and say thank you for being open and vulnerable about that because it's so good to know that unmet expectations happen to all of it us. It does, and that story that I told was unique to me, but I think a lot of people can relate to that. You may be going through a season that you did not expect but it may be just what you need to break, to humble, to work on your character. So I'm gonna encourage you right now to embrace the season that you're in, even though it may not be the season you expected to be yeah. in. Growing in Christ is not always pleasant. It hurts no. sometimes, doesn't it? <laughs> Many times it does, <laughs> absolutely. Right. There is more teaching to come now from you, Mark, in today's message titled Expectations here on Bold Steps Weekend. Let's listen together. You see, don't you think that Elisha could have come out and waved his hand and immediately healed Naaman the way he expected? But that's not what Naaman needed because he had more than just a disease of the skin. He had a condition of the heart. And the condition of the heart that needed to be broken was called pride. And God wanted to do something more than just heal him on his terms. 
If Naaman would have shown up with all his pomp and regalia and clothes and treasure and, and gold, he would have been able to kind of think in his mind, I deserve the healing because I bought it with all of my influence and pride and with all of the clothing and gold that I brought. But God wasn't going to play on his terms. God knew that Naaman needed something deeper, not what he expected, but what he needed. Naaman needed to humble himself. He didn't need the man of God to come out. He needed a servant to tell him, go dip yourself seven times in the Jordan. The, the Jordan was a conquered territory. Uh, he, he despised the Jordan because the Jordan, hey, beggars bathed themselves in the Jordan. It was a lesser territory than the rivers that they had. The third and last thing I want you to know is this. Listen, sometimes our expectations become idols that must be surrendered at the altar with humility. Verse 13, it says, Naaman's servants went to him and they said, Father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? Thank God he had some people that talked some sense into him. As he walked off, he was about to walk away from his major breakthrough. He was about to walk away from a major breakthrough in his life and destiny. He was about to walk away from God's plan because it didn't match his expectations. And he had some people around him that talked some sense into him and said, hey, if he would have asked you to go and defeat an army or kill a hundred people and come back, you would have done it. But he's asking you to go to a harder place. It's not about some great challenge that you achieve. It's about humbling yourself. And so Naaman did something that was against his character, harder for him than a challenge that would have been posed to him. He went down to the Jordan. And I'm sure that as he arrived at the Jordan with his cadre of horses and regalia, I envisioned that he had to take off his regalia, put his robes aside, put his medals off, take off his sword, strip down and step into the water. All of his soldiers watched him. The beggars peered at him. And there he is, the great Naaman, in a dirty, muddy river that he despised. And he dips himself once. Nothing happens. He dips himself again. He's still the same. And a third time, he's just wet, but nothing's changed. And a fourth time, and he's probably thinking, I'm making a fool of myself because I'm the same. And a fifth time, and I'm almost there two more times, and I guess I might as well finish. And so a sixth time, and he's just the same. The leprosy hasn't changed. And he dips himself a seventh time. And when he comes out, I love the way the Bible puts it. Listen, 
it says, and his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. I, I love that it wasn't, he just got restored and it's the old skin. He got restored and it's renewed like a young boy. And I can imagine the seventh time as he came out and he looked at the leprosy that had plagued him, the butt in his life, that expectation that had derailed him, that very thing that he thought was his curse became the blessing that allowed him to come to God and be humbled and turned around. The very thing that he thought was a disruption in his life, the curse in his life actually became the channel through which God took him to the place of humility and the place of healing because God did it a different way. His unmet expectations became a gift to his life. The Bible says, then Naaman and all his attendants went back to the man of God and he stood before him this time without pomp and pride and regalia. And he says, now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. And this pagan commander who rejected God's plan because it didn't meet his expectation, but finally caved in realized that God had a plan that didn't match his expectation, but ultimately was for his good. You know, it's G.K. Chesterton that says these two things about faith. Men live on the brink of mysteries and harmonies into which they never enter. And with a hand on the door latch, they die on the outside sometimes because our expectations are different. I believe that a lot of people live seven dips away from a breakthrough, but because it's not what they expected, they walk away from seven dips and miss what God has for them. And I guess my challenge for you that are watching wherever you're watching from, and for you students that are here in the auditorium, you staff and others that are watching online, I guess my challenge is this. What is the expectation that you have had that right now is unmet and has maybe caused disappointment, anger, frustration? What is the current reality that you're not living? You said, by this time, I thought I'd have two children be married, and that's not happening. But by this time, I thought, I didn't see it this way. I thought God was going to, I thought the ministry I was going to step into was going to look like. I didn't know I'd be setting up chairs and cleaning toilets. I thought I would be. Can I challenge you to embrace not your expectation, but God's plan? to bring about his will that may not match the way you expected it, but goes deeper and more profound. And there's a place in our life where sometimes we surrender our expectation to God in humility and say, God, this is what I expect, 
but my expectation has become an idol. So I lay my idol on the altar of your sovereignty and I choose whatever plan you have for me, not my will, but yours be done. Some of you will live very frustrated and angry and disappointed unless you take your expectations and lay it on the altar of God's sovereignty and say, God, I've been praying, but you can answer my prayer however you see fit because you're sovereign and I'm not. And I choose, I choose to trust you. God, today, humbly, we say to you, our expectations we place on your altar and we trust your sovereignty. Your will, not ours. But Lord, we pray that as we lay down our expectations, that we would humbly embrace whatever path you have for us, God. Because ultimately we know, Father, that your way is higher than our way. And I pray that as we, as we embrace it, that we will not lose our joy. I pray that our hearts would trust you, God, even into the uncertain, into the unknown, God. And we declare, Father, that you are higher than us, that your way is higher than ours. And so as we reluctantly and tearfully release our expectations, we joyfully embrace your sovereignty and trust you. I pray that you would give us the strength and humility and power to do so. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope these messages in the first month of the new year have filled you with hope and given you a game plan when you're struggling with feelings of resentment and anger. If you'd like to replay or share these messages with a friend, you'll find them online at boldstepsweekend.org. Well, once again, we have in the studio a friend of mine, someone that you're familiar with. You've heard his voice. You've probably read one of his books as well. And uh, that's uh, Joe Stoll, who's been a pastor, a leader, college president, but more importantly, a follower of Jesus. Mm. So good to have you here, Joe. Thanks, Mark. And, um, you know, Joe wrote a resource that's designed to try to get us to spend time with Jesus every day. And Joe, I want you to tell our uh, listeners why you wrote Strength for the Journey. Well, first of all, I think we all need more strength for our journey, right? <laughs> Absolutely. So then how do we do get strength for our journey? There's a lot of different ways, Mark, but certainly one of the ways is to be in the Word of God and having God speak to us on a regular basis. But I think I found the challenge in my own life. Okay, where do I start with that? I mean, the Bible's a big book, right? Psalms <laughs> or the New Testament or Leviticus, and that's a challenge there all by itself, right? So what I had found in my life is if I have someone to get me started every day, mm. and so I thought maybe I could take some of the experiences I've had in my life and some of the things that have been important to me and put them into a daily startup for people, kind of like the warm-up band to their work and walk with God. And so Strength for the Journey was what came out of that, and I trust it will be just that, that it will get people started into the Word, give them a pattern to listen to the Lord and to walk with Him. I love it. And by the way, Joe has such a 
just a compelling way to break things down into a simple, easy-to-understand way. And so, uh, Strength of the Journey, that's our premium gift for all our Bold Steps uh, supporters this month. And so we would love to put this book into your hands. So just let us know if you'd like a copy when you give a gift of any amount to support Bold Steps Weekend. To make your donation and request for Strength for the Journey, just call 866-535-5580. That's 866-535-5580. Or go online to boldstepsweekend.org. Or send your gift in the mail by writing to us at Bold Steps Weekend, 820 North LaSalle Boulevard, Chicago, Illinois, 60610. And hey, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so you can take these daily messages with you and listen wherever you go. Just open up your podcast app and search for Bold Steps Weekend with Dr. Mark Job. And if you really appreciate these teachings, why not share them with a friend and leave a five-star review to help us reach more people with the gospel. Now, before we sign off, let me remind you to check out the special new video content coming out exclusively on the Bold Steps YouTube channel. Mark shares brand new teachings and short videos on subjects like grief, living in unfair circumstances, and the healing power of God. You can subscribe today by searching for Bold Steps Radio on YouTube, or just type in our website handle, youtube.com slash thatboldstepsradio. Well, I'm Wayne Shepherd. Join us again next week when we begin a new message called Rise, Live Your Best Life Yet. It's coming up next week on Bold Steps Weekend with Mark Joe. Bold Steps Weekend is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.